All right, fellas, here you go. If you went on a spiritual journey, where would you go and what would you do? Ready? Go. Jake, I'd find a cave somewhere in the Congo. Club you silly and have my way with you, caveman style. I'd even hunt and gather so you'd have something in your tummy when the ball sauce trickled on down. Another one! Alright, we the best. I'm out. With Hitler, the more I learn about that guy, the more I don't care for him. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a color man. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. The weather is perfect, the field is fast at the Rose Bowl for tonight's ball game. <laughs> okay, we're opening we're opening the pod and Joey Dangerously is gonna tell the story about when he saw Jim Kinviesel in the chiropractor's office. Go. Yeah, so so, so Jesus we'll was my was my chiropractor for a couple of years and he was uh he was my wife's chiropractor, he was my uh well my in laws, uh Wooly Dugues father and Wooly Duke's mom, uh, they're, no, your mom went to the, uh, that goofy fucking place over, over up the road. Uh, <laughs> the place. Asshole. Yeah. Your dad went to, uh, your dad went to, uh, Jim Caviezel Sr. And that's where me and my wife started going. And one day, one day, um, well, okay, a couple times before, uh, Jimmy would be on the phone, and, you know, it never dawned on me that who it was, but Jimmy was on the phone, and and uh, Dr. Treviso would be like, okay, just a couple minutes, and uh, I don't know, he'd chat with all the people in the office first, and then and then one day he, uh, one day he came in as I was leaving, and, I, you know, it was just a... Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Have a good day. <laughs> but uh, I heard I heard a lot of stuff uh, from the old man, you know, because uh, his son was the person of interest. He'd talk <laughs> about the person of interest on CBS, you know. My son's the person of interest right now. <laughs> he didn't go up. Uh, uh, are we going to go into... The- are we going to tell a joke, Joey? Jesus Christ in the morning. No rabbit holes. No rabbit holes. Joey, I was about ready to spin off a very funny joke. Oh. It's, it's done now. Oh. Our, our listenership is, is denied great humor there, but we'll, we will move on. So what were you saying? I was done. It's <laughs> just enough to drown me out as I was trying to watch you do a joke. All you had to do was let me finish. <laughs> oh, so football-wise, um, 
once again, here we are. No, no media deal. And, and Joey, what did you post on the board? Because you listened to uh, Kalishnikov's uh, presser. Yeah, and he, I he made some it. odd comment. Well, I got like probably five minutes in, and I was sitting there like, like I I can't even watch this anymore. I can't, you know this. Uh, just this kind of bullshit, you know, about the conference. And he, he was spewing off all these different things about every sport. And, you know, we've won nine championships over the last calendar year. And, and Oh, uh, God. Yeah, he's going on and on and on about uh, all these other stuff. It was mostly football, you know, and what they have returning and, and uh, you know, his opening statement. But he, he did bring up other sports, you know, and all this kind of shit. And then – they left it for questions and most of the people I, I most of the people they you know ask questions I, I couldn't even like I couldn't recognize. I did see Heather Dinich sitting in the sitting in the audience and of course she didn't ask a question because ESPN probably just sent her and to report something and not ask questions because <laughs> uh, you know her company wants the Pac twelve completely dead and gone. But uh, you know, it's mostly guys from like, uh, you know, Devil's Digest, twenty four seven Sports. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, no, no Ken Reynolds, no, uh, no Fatters, no, no Eklund. Um, well, not to say they weren't there, but I didn't hear them asking questions. But this, uh, somebody asked about. Um, Somebody asked about a media deal, and he said, "We're we're not here to announce a uh, announce a media deal. Um, we're here to just just to talk about football." And then it went like a couple more guys, and then and then a guy from the Oregonian said, uh, "You know," and it was like his second question. He said, "You know, we're all we all got pause here. I'm paraphrasing, but you said a minute ago you're not here to announce the media deal." You're here to just talk about football. Can you go in further about um, the media deal? And do you have a media deal? And you're just not announcing it today? <laughs> Klyovkov just says, uh, oh, you're reading too much into that comment. And then he goes into some other, like, kind of a politician-type answer. And it was like, no, we're reading into it exactly how you said it. <laughs> like, no, I, like I'm not. It, like, go ahead. Well, you he he said it like they had a media deal, but they weren't going to announce it. But then he tells the guy like, "Oh, you're reading in, you're reading into that comment too much." So basically saying, uh, "You know, I fucked up, and we don't have a media deal," which is what we're here we're here to focus on the kids. Uh, but right. uh, if you guys if you guys want to talk about anything else, that's fine. Yes, question in the back. Yeah, puppy love sugar steel from Hardcore Husky. <laughs> That would be funny. <laughs> Look, tip shit. Yeah, you're, you your wife is the only one I haven't given a proper pounding to. <laughs> well, that would have been like the worst mistake of my tenure. Uh, be sending him down to Vegas. That would have been that would have been epic. <laughs> We're always talking about. Low traffic numbers. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. Um, 
No, Willie, do you have any thoughts uh, either spinning off what uh, Joey just said or uh, anything else that's going on as we head into camp? I mean, with the Pac-12 media thing, I think it's just it's no news, it's bad news. I think everyone involved is unhappy with what is on the table, so no one, everyone's just kind of waiting to someone for someone to make a move, and that just is what it is. And I think, you know, it's unfortunate because otherwise it should be a pretty exciting, uh, you know, as the shitty John Wilner, this should be a pretty exciting, uh, you know, off-season natty for the Pac-12 going in. I mean, I'm trying to think of it's a top-heavy yet also deep Pac-12, and there's, you know, good quarterbacks coming back and a lot of excitement. Uh, you know, my, my big thing, if you're just talking about Washington, it's just, you know, it's going to be a much different ride. There's going to be a lot of pressure, and it's going to be a lot different than last year. And uh, I'm currently in my phase of being nervous about that. Uh, so we're uh, in, in pretty snake bit about what we've had in the past. So I think it, it's pretty – It's uh, the nerves are starting to kick in on my end. Well, we can't open up with a 16-13 to 13 loss of Boise or anything like that. I mean – that's kind of a deal where I feel like, you know, uh, if that happens, all, all the pressure's all the pressure's gone. But like, you know, it's been a while since they've had expectations like this. Probably going back to, you know, 2018, 2017. It was just a completely different feeling, and it's you know a lot of to me, it's a lot of college football. That's kind of when you, you there's a lot of teams that have like random good seasons because the schedule works out or they stay healthy and, you know, maybe they get a big win or two. And, uh, or you have, like, schools like Iowa and Wisconsin and shit, which is, like, it all kind of schedule works out every four years and they go, like, 11-2 and two and you're like, oh, Iowa's good, and they come in, like, number eight next year, the next season, and they go five and seven. I guess you can throw Michigan State in there. So uh, it's, it's nerves. And I think, uh, I think the good thing, though, is, it's not like they didn't get everyone's best shot in the Pac-12 last year. Uh, it's not like they're like a team that suddenly people are getting up for. Like, I'm trying to think of a game they played last year where it felt like the team wasn't super up for them, and I, I can't think of a single one. Ironically, maybe the Cougs. <laughs> I, I, maybe Stanford. <laughs> maybe Stanford, yeah. Stanford had kind of a, mm, mm. a lay-down game for even yeah. Shaw's sake, you know. I think they're. I think they were just done for – they were just done for the season. I mean, I think Shaw was done. Uh, no, yeah, but again, I, don't think, I don't think anybody else. You got to think about. So I might need to stop worrying about that. I'm thinking about like, at least in the Pac-12, like ASU, UCLA, obviously uh, Arizona, Cal, friggin' Cal for some reason played oh, tough. Yeah. <laughs> Always uh, tough. Oregon, despite losing, you know, they played a really good game. They they played tough. You know, the Beavers played one of their hardest games. Uh, yeah, the Colorado doesn't count. So, yeah, I mean, that's uh, <laughs> my big thing is being nervous about if they're ready to, you know, be the man. They beat, they, they you know, to be the man, you got to beat the man, and this year the Huskies are going to be the man. The one thing, though, is that I, I largely agree with you, but my my reaction to hearing you refer to the high expectations that are on them this year that haven't been in the past 
But ironically, I feel like the expectations are more self-generated by the players and coaches here than they are about the media in general. And in fact, they're picked. Uh, they were picked by Pac-12 media to finish second, not first, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they were uh, definitely picked second. Um, I, I, I think I'm probably overthinking it, uh, and I also think it's a different group. I think, I think under Peterson, you know, everything you've ever heard. Everything you ever heard, kind of like a peeling back, peeling back the cover, is that he was super tight. He was like a micromanaging CEO. Every single thing was a huge deal, and they they showed that. So once after 2016 was that first fun year. After that, everything got really super tight. So I, I don't picture that being the case. I just think that you know it's just an overall different thing, and the schedule is. The schedule is a bit different, you know. It's uh, probably not uh, quite as not not quite as easy as it was last year. Despite even if you're not, even if you're, you know, being a, a mega dude or a scared dude, that's still the case. Here's the, here's a hypothetical that just popped into my mind, and it's really worthless and almost a waste of our time. But I'll just throw it out there very briefly. Can you imagine the 2016 Huskies going in to play Alabama in the Peach Bowl? but they have DeBoer as their coach. We might have still lost, but I feel like it would have been a different type of game. Same players? Didn't we already – we same already went over this once, right? No, I not – not everything's the same except DeBoer is there instead of Peterson. I – I mean, I don't – I don't – to me, it's more – to me, the hypothetical is if Penix is the quarterback instead of Browning. That just – Oh, I, dear. I yeah, that's 2016. I I thought the playbook. I mean, I guess there's a tightness, not tightness. Like uh, the defense was there. The defense was there. The defense was there. Uh, yes. So you're just talking DeBoer's head coach, uh, Smith, offensive coordinator, and I mean wh- whoever. Well, that. okay. It was, yeah, quick, head. it was just quick. Yeah, it was just quick. Kowski. Yep. In my stupid, uh, in my stupid uh, hypothetical here, we have the entire DeBoer coaching staff. <laughs> the, I mean, my, my whole point is, I think the team wouldn't have been quite as tight. No, I think when things got right. tough. I I think uh, okay, same players from 2016, but DeBoer's coaching staff. I I actually think they get beat by a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, because they're. Well, if they're playing that, Alabama couldn't pass on on Washington that day. They had to run the ball, and it took them yes. a long time. You know, it took them a long time to run the ball, and they had that pick six. So yes, it was it was a seventeen to seven game. Yes. So so if uh, if DeBoner is going to open up the pass game with. Uh, with a medicine. <laughs> uh, with just those two players, not not big receivers, you know. I mean, with Alabama's defense that year, that I mean, that would have been tough to open up the pass game, you know. I, think- I mean, Chico and uh, it's like a like a freshman Aaron Fuller. It's got Disley, Braden, Braden, Lenius, Dickey, unused, 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 Disley, unused Disley, uh, yeah, unused Disley. <laughs> um, 
Oh, yeah, boy. I yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't. I think there might there you know their playbook might be a little bit different. You know, I think the Peterson thing with all those like slow developing uh, play action where they have one route and if the one route is covered, that was that was not good a good matchup against that Alabama defense. But I mean, I don't know. It's uh, I actually kind of agree with Joey where I feel like playing tight in that game might have actually been better because then in playing conservative, like in that game, that might have been the way to – honestly, they could have played more conservative, uh, as he said. I mean, they don't throw that pick six. Um, mm. And late in the game I – th- I think they gave up on the run that game way too early. It was just there was already a narrative like, well, you can't run on this defense and – you know, you had like a like two no games in a row, and they were like, "Well, we're done. We're not ready. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to try to throw." And you know, so yeah, I, I guess think, there's. Go ahead. Oh, I think the you know that hypothetical of like DeBoer versus Peterson one game. I think the maybe like the the Rose Bowl against Ohio State might be like a better one. I just feel like uh, yes. Yes. that might be better because I, I think that was at least offensively a game where they just like they were so sucked in in the first half to like the yeah. Peterson play action crap. Beatable. Uh, that was a beatable Ohio State. That was a game they could have won, but like they were too tight. They are obviously too tight. Uh, so, yeah, I think that was – that was a good one, but it's, you know, and Penn state, they, they might've won that game because, uh, I don't think, Penn yeah, state yeah, yeah. I don't think Penn state could have like, you know, gotten to a, gotten to a shootout with them. They're, they're, they're mostly Saquon Barkley heavy that year. And, you know, uh, I mean, What's his face from Cal? Uh, <laughs> Garber's like quarterback, like McSorley. You know who had a, who had like who had like an all time who had an all time perfect game against Washington, basically. Garber like. Well, I got the ultimate. I got the ultimate loser who lives in the past. Uh, you know, revisionist history hypothetical. They would in 2018. They would have blown Auburn out by like 40. With the same players, yeah. <laughs> that yes. was the ultimate game of like, yeah, yes. teams not that much better. Like, not actually they're better than this team by a bit, and they were just tight, and their offense was just stupid and couldn't like they played super these stupid one route like things like that. Even with the same exact players, like they would not by forty, they win that game by at least twenty because that that's just like the definition of a game where they were just so tight and same thing. They were going in 2018. Number six or seven in the country. I think Browning would have been a lot better with the board. Yeah, that's another good. I think Long been better with the board. He would have been less like stunted and shell shocked. Well, and then uh, and we'll we'll put a capper on this because we're going deep down the rabbit hole of hypothetical, and it's my fault. But uh, but the one thing is, like I say, if the board was a coach, and I think you guys hear that is me implying that we would really open up the playbook and. More of my, I mean, that's partially, partially true. But more of my thought is just the resiliency of the team as a whole. They would reflect the coach more, uh, and it, they would be more resilient with him than they were with Peterson. 
And you can even look to something like last year's Cal game where Cal was, you know, fair to middle and at best, right? I don't know what their final record was, but weren't they four and eight or something? Um, I think so. They lost to uh, Colorado. <laughs> we could have lost that game. That's true. But we, we could have lost that game. You know, it was a, uh, it was a trap game, you might say. But um, they, they willed it out. They weren't going to let it happen. And I think under Peterson, I remember thinking at the time, uh, that uh, something along the lines that we might have lost that game with Peterson, but oh yeah, no, I, I totally get what you're talking about. I think it illustrates the difference of why there should be more confidence going into this season with high expectations than last season. I mean, not last season, but like 2017 <laughs> and 2018. Uh, yeah, I think that's the, that's a good point. There's never video clips of DeBoer losing his shit and getting in the face of a guy with a clipboard that's just trying to run the, the tunnel or something, you know? No. It, just, it, no, it doesn't no. happen. The only time he got he got so mad was uh, was it the Apple Cup when they called uh, the defense for, like, mimicking the, the yeah, snap count yeah, and there was yeah. nothing? Yeah. And that was the only time he got, like, really red-faced and mad. And he actually was had a legit reason too. So, as we as we uh, set our eyes towards uh, the fall camp coming up here, do you what are you guys looking uh, forward to? And uh, how about this? Who who do we think is going to be a standout player this year that maybe people aren't looking for? Oh, that people aren't looking for. Um. Hmm. Got to ask my Twitter guy. Yeah, <laughs> I think Dylan well, Johnson's going to be a lot better than people think. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if Daniel Nagata, you know, if he gets four or five carries a game and a couple catches a game, you know, I mean, nobody's expecting much out of him, but uh, he hasn't. He hasn't gone back into the portal or anything, so he must he must be uh, given some kind of playing time. And Willie, any thoughts? <laughs> I'm gonna say uh, Matteo Mele. I'm uh, there's not a great candidate for me of people who we haven't talked about, and then you have the usual suspects of like guys who are just never gonna pan out, like or the way you think they're going to be like Devin Culp or ZTF and stuff like that, or Yula Hey, Hey, we don't hate Devin Culp anymore. Devin Culp's fine. <laughs> he's, just, he's just a guy. Well, just, I never we, hated we him. him. <laughs> we tolerate him. <laughs> no, I think uh, I would say like Mateo Mele, like, I mean, when he's, yeah, he's been playing, what, three or four years? And whenever he's come in, He's, like, looked good. The offensive line, I feel like, has always performed better, but yet he was always, like, buried behind Wattenberg and Luciano, and you're always kind of like, why isn't this guy starting? And then I think the I think the scheme of the offense is, it's going to, is super friendly to the interior, interior offensive linemen, so I don't think they have to be, like, world beaters to look pretty good. Uh, hence, you had, like... The three guys last year all went undrafted, and you're like, the period offensive line was pretty good on both sides of the game. 
And, you know, in regards to Devin Culp, something just occurred to me is that I get the same feeling looking at him move and, and come off the line of scrimmage and, and try to catch the ball and everything as I did. You know, to me, he reminds me of Kevin Ware, um, less the spousal abuse and murder and all that, of course. But I'm just talking about as a player, I used to be very, very, very excited about Kevin Ware. I thought he was going to be first team all Pac-10 at one point, and it never, it never panned out. And it, 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 to me, I thought he would be what turned out to be the Will Disley story many years later, you know, um, in regards to just finally being focused on and given a chance. And um, but I see, I could, I could see Colt being a great, great, great player this year. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I he's one of those guys where you just kind of like. You see it, but it's not really like it's just at this point it's been a five years, five full years, I think, and it's just never happened. You're kind of just like I don't think kind of it's kind of happening. He he had some big plays last year. Had some good plays, sporadic, and he's got a year under DeBoer. Yeah, Yeah. if you go back and watch like if you watch like highlights from last year, you'll see like oh yeah, I forgot he had like that really long catch against Oregon on, like, the first drive. Or, like, UCLA, I think he had a touchdown. Uh, he has a few plays like that. Or was it uh, Cal or Stanford? Maybe it was Cal the year before, actually, the the late year that he had, like, a, a drive where he, like, took over. Yeah. Uh, but that was the yeah. year before. That was the Jimmy year. So he's yeah. – uh, I think he's he had got like, – He had, like, five catches for 80 yards on, yeah. like, one drive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so insane. I don't know. Like, yeah, I think the good thing, though, is, like, the team is, like, in a spot where it's not, like, dependent on some players being, like, really good out of nowhere or stepping up to make them really matter. You're kind of like, well, if everything kind of goes as it's supposed to, they'll be, uh, at worst, like, a top-ten team. So uh, it's kind of, like, nice to not have to be, like, you're not, you're not going back to like 2008 where you're like, man, I hope these true freshmen uh, are, are are as good as they're supposed to be. And we have such a great fleet of wide receivers that uh, that would actually cut down on the number of receptions that Colt might have had under normal circumstances in any given year. Maybe uh, maybe I could throw in like everybody's expecting Bernard to you know make some big plays, but. Maybe Denzel, maybe Denzel Boston when they go five wide or something, you know. I mean, they could go they could go five wide this year and have every receiver over like over six two. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's pretty. That's uh, that's gonna be some good uh, some good uh, plays there. Remember the 2001 Rose Bowl when Elstrom had the fucked up knee and but the two he just lobbed it to him and he was being guarded by like a five four corner. Sure. And he just jumped up and caught it. That's all he did. Who was the Who was the little white receiver Purdue had? Uh, Vinny Sutherland. Vinny Sutherland, yeah. <laughs> Sutherland. Anyway, I don't know. No rabbit hole. Just, just uh, I don't know why I thought of that. Vinny Sutherland. Vinny Sutherland rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I almost said Darren Shiverini, but that was Colorado, a little white Colorado guy, right? I don't remember him. Yeah. Wasn't he their interim coach at one point? I think he was their interim <laughs> coach. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. I can't remember. So, I, I must say, we didn't really communicate much leading up to this pod where we laid out three or four things we would tackle, so we're just kind of winging it here, but in a in a Sark kind of manner. But um, anything you guys want to bring up, uh, and then we'll get to, like, the, uh, the, the thread where there's questions and stuff. Anything that's on your mind? Um, wrong phone. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> No, I did not see uh I didn't see DeBoer's uh press conference yet. I did tape it. Um Thank you. No, that one leaked out. It's empty. All it do is get me a beer out of the cooler. Uh I did I did Are not you... see What? Oh, I was gonna ask a question, but you're continuing, so please continue. Oh, yeah, I did not watch uh, DeBoer's uh, press conference yet. Um, I didn't watch. Uh, I taped. I made a. I made a point of taping uh, Arizona's uh, press conference just to see if they'd ask uh, Jaden Delora about uh, all the raping he's done over his career. You know. <laughs> Puppy love sugar steel from Hardcoreski. I've got a question. Yeah. Well, I mean, seriously, how's that guy still on the team, really? They need a quarterback. Uh, I mean, I'm saying that flippantly. Yeah, I think think Wooly Duke's right. Jed Fish is a little sketchy. I wouldn't be surprised if WSU, because that was like field. WSU either kind of knew about it or they they found out it was going to come out or – they actually found out about it, and they kind of like that's why he left. Yeah, because uh, it doesn't make any never made any sense why he left. Uh, oh, he left like almost, almost like uh, you know what? What was it? Mid game of mid game of the Apple Cup or, or the Sun Bowl? No, the Sun Bowl. He, he yeah. just like left right during practices. Oh, that's right. Uh. Yeah, he chose he chose to quit like during during that week or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I bet Arizona paid for his uh, his legal fee or whatever for his uh, civil lawsuit that he had to settle. Well, I'm we, sure that's that's what they did. I, I bet you that's what they did. Well, the one thing is, is that Arizona was just the bottom of the barrel direct, right? And then all of a sudden they started recruiting really well, you know, relative to what you would expect. And um, who is investing in Arizona football recruiting? Because they like there's that receiver they have who's actually really good, like Tetroa McMillan. Yeah, uh, yeah. And like he was like. Could have gone to like USC or Oregon or probably a lot of places. Oh, they're hitting the portal like yeah, they're they're hitting the portal like crazy. Yeah, so it's like, but who like who is there? Phil Knight. Like I've always been wondering, like who? Well, 
Hey, I, I never thought it would be out of the question for, okay, a head coach makes, I don't know, $4 million a year, right? So is it out of the question that he wants uh, he wants 10 kids so bad in a class he writes them a personal check Why? For, for 25 grand? Well, Sean Miller was. Sean Miller was confirmed. I think that's what Sean Miller was doing. I think it was DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> but, but if you want to, if you want to keep your job, is it that crazy? I, Mario no. I think you. I think Crisco did it. <laughs> I think Crisco, Kayvon Thibodeau, and Penny Sewell might have gotten some. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. And Justin Flo, the uh, the future Lawrence Taylor. And uh, what was I? Oh, oh! Because remember, he 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 uh, he brought in. I'm trying to remember. It's Purple Jay's favorite player, Gronkowski, and he got like. It seems like he got deeply involved with the program at least for a year and a half or so. Uh, so so maybe he tossed in a little money there. I don't know. I, I'm I'm I don't know yeah. anything. I'm just uh, you know. Gronk Gronk is a. Uh, uh, did not do as much collegiately as he did NFL wise as people think. Like he he was like a, he was like a good college player, but you never thought yeah. for one second he'd be like, you know, Hall of Fame, borderline best tight end to ever play the game. He was injured for like I think he played like three years. I think one of which was a redshirt year, and then he was injured for like a year and a half. He fucking played with like a with like a robotic arm for, like, the last five years of his career. <laughs> I think he also, straight up said in his recruitment, he was going to sign wherever, like, who's doing the best party. Uh, I, I don't think he was even, like, playing that down. Uh, but I think he, yeah, I think he might be, maybe he's funding some parties down there in Tucson to open up their recruiting games. Because, yeah, you're right. Like, if you forget that, that COVID, the COVID year team that they put out there, that was like one of the worst pack. That's like the worst beatings I've ever seen. Like a team take, like Washington ever put on anybody, and that wasn't like a particularly amazing Washington team. It's like one of the reasons we're so excited about ZTF of like that Arizona team was just like they felt like they could have beat that team like a hundred to zero. Mm-hmm. And then they barely won down there the next year. Uh, basically because Thule, uh Arizona passed for no reason. <laughs> yeah, and they could have yeah, just right. ran the clock out yeah. and Thule intercepted it. That's the only reason. You forget that's such a weird season. Uh, you blocked out so much. Was that the, uh, was that the Jan in the Sundress game? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Before later when they this is the worst team I've ever lose to. But they got bailed out by a really dumb play call and like pure luck. Oh, as soon as you said those words, Joey, it flashed back into my mind. <laughs> well, I mean, if you were like, if you're like Jen's husband or boyfriend, you'd be like super stoked about the sundress. But if you're, you know, if you're a hardcore Husky football fan, <laughs> you see your athletic director in a, in a sundress and a baseball <laughs> It's a little, a little off-putting. You never see Mike Lude in a sundress and a baseball hat, let me tell you. <laughs> no. 
Did well. Furthermore, did you ever want to see Barbara Hedges in a in a sundress and a baseball hat? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, uh, that would imply she was like god awful, uh, uh, ugly or whatever, and, and you know, not my cup of tea. But um, I didn't. I never said that. Well, oh, do you mean from just what it what it represents professionally? It just looked like she was there to lounge by yes. the pool, you know, yes, on vacation. Yes. Is what I'm saying, you know, like exactly. I, I would not have worn that to the football game where she's technically working, you know. Yeah. And we, uh, as we have a pause in the action, uh, let's oh, there's a camera shot there. Uh, Washington Athletic Director Derek Johnson. Oh, he's wearing gray sweatpants and uh, you know, <laughs> flip flops and a, uh, you know, it's like. Yeah. Well, I'm a I'm a I'm a tank top and basketball shorts guy as I'm wearing right now. Uh you probably and flip flops, you probably would not see me on the sideline. I take it back, you know, you may actually see me on the sidelines dressed like this, but you know Washington Athletics director Joey Dangerously in a wife beater and sweatpants on the Washington <laughs> <Yeah>. sideline. <laughs> He's very unhappy no, about that third down penalty. I'd try to wear a polo and maybe some khaki shorts or something. <laughs> a a semi-harbaugh. Yeah, semi-harbaugh. Or cargo shorts, right? <laughs> I'd wear cargo shorts. Oh, I have a pair. You know, a t- uh, yeah. But Damone was always going on about uh, cargo shorts. Well, Damone's not here anymore, is he? No, he's not. You know what, though? I will say this. Uh, by my count, he's about 0 for 6 or 0 for 7 and trying to get back in. I, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not opposed to letting anybody back in. I don't, you know, whatever. Well, he, he comes up with these different names and then tries to get in. And Oh, and Tony Bennett passed away. Not the coach, but the singer. Well, I just I just posted that uh, if you listen to Jay Moore do, uh, you know, the comedian Jay Moore, he does Tony Bennett, the basketball coach, in uh, Tony Bennett, the singer's voice, and it's pretty it's pretty damn funny. <laughs> in case I'm looking at that thread. You were gonna get a hat on a hat. Tire breakdowns, Kobe uh, breakdowns, and Tony Bennett talk. You you you've arrived where you you've arrived. Been. Yeah, definitely filed highly in the department for me at least. Of like, wait, that person was still alive. Uh, well, who is it? Who is the one? That, the number one person like who was on that list of like person you figured dead died thirty years ago that's still alive was like Shirley Temple. <laughs> well, I think she She's was like alive. an ambassador. I think she was like an ambassador in Europe or something, something random. Yeah, there's something know. where it's like you're like the, there's like a good you could do a good breakdown of list of people you that you figured died decades ago but are actually still alive. Like, well, like Gene Hackman and like Tommy Lee Jones have just basically quit working for like decades. Yeah. I mean, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. And they're still alive. Yeah, Jack Nicholson. Kind still of alive, though. 
Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. They look pretty bad. But Tony Bennett was yeah. uh, pretty pretty high up there for me. I said this to somebody today or yesterday. Yeah, today. And I can't remember if it was on the boards or who it was to. Um, but I, 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 I got I got the feeling the last ten years or so that um, that uh, Tony Bennett's son was kind of pushing him out there to keep performing, even though he probably wanted to stop or slow down a lot. I feel like he kept well, rolling he, him out there. I know that he had like serious dementia. But he yeah. can still go out there and and remember all of his songs, and then come back and not really know what was going on or who he was performing with. But he could he could still go out there and and perform all his shit. I'm pretty sure Wooly Duke's parents. I'm pretty sure Wooly Duke's parents saw Glenn Campbell like when he was oh, winding did. down. Yeah, and at the chiropractor office. No, not at the chiropractor's <laughs> office. Uh, no, they saw Glenn Campbell, and, and I think he performed, like, a couple songs twice, but everybody just was having such a good time, and nobody said anything, you know? I think they were, like, in the front row or something. They could see he had, like, a taped sign at his feet that said, like, Seattle, Washington. <laughs> like, you're in Seattle, Washington. I thought they went to the Hollywood Bowl and watched him. I think both. Oh. Yeah. Uh, there was oh, like dedicated. You are yeah. here. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because he was, like, so out of it. Yeah, but I, I honestly think they do it for every rock band because they're so fucked up and, you know, drunk and high. Oh, yeah. That's, that, that's a good point. I mean, yeah. But Glenn Campbell, uh, all I need to know about Glenn Campbell was uh, – when Eddie Van Halen died, I was, like, trying to get my dad to, like, acknowledge that he was, like, you know, an all-time big guitar player. He's like, yeah, he's kind of good. Uh, he, he wanted guitar lessons. <laughs> he wanted guitar lessons from Glenn Campbell. He wanted <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to get your dad on the show one of these days? I mean, it would be probably it would be pretty yeah. great. Uh, yeah, I mean, you just got to kind of like, it's good if you have someone who doesn't know him too, because you can kind of just feed him random stuff. Like, and <laughs> probably, you haven't heard everything you need to hear about Johnny Rivers and Glenn Campbell and like stuff like that. But you, know, you also got to watch the Husky. He's a big dude. And then he, uh, massive dude. Massive, colossal dude. <laughs> colossal. And then he'll latch on to certain things with, like, Husky stuff. He just, you're like, yeah, I know. And, and like, the anti-organ conspiracies are just so, so sick. <laughs> well, yeah, as the, as the jokes go, you know, if Race was there, so was Wooly Duke Sr. Like, he was at every single game, you know, and still goes to every single game. So, he's, he's seen, uh, he's, we've got, I mean, just crazy story after crazy story, you know, that he's been at. Well, I just remember I was up there last year with you guys, and we were standing on the dock, and as uh, Willie Duke's dad was pulling in with the boat, Willie Duke turned to me and he said, just uh, to let you know, he's going to talk your ear off about the Willingham book. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, no, he's quite a character. So, oh, about about Willingham, uh, somebody said 
you know, somebody had that uh, that thread about the, uh, you know, years before Lake, there was another, you know, mm. epic meltdown or whatever it was. Uh, so we had a, a Wooly Duke's mom had a family friend and over last weekend on the dock and her husband was a graduate of Notre Dame from like the early 70s or something like that. Uh, and he kept he kept referencing. I think he knew Jerry Donardo or something. You know, he went to school with Jerry Donardo, and we were we had a, I mean, a long conversation about Jerry Donardo, which I've never had a long conversation about Jerry Donardo. But he went into a, you know, he was asking us about being big Husky fans, and he's like, so, what did you guys think about when they hired Willingham? And and I mean. Me and Wooly Duke's dad were just like, oh, God, what the hell? Oh, my God, we're just, like, disgusted, you know, about talking about that guy. And, and uh, you know, uh, the family friend was like, was like I, I was just shocked that they would they would hire a guy that got fired and, and just had a just complete collapse in his third year and all this stuff and just going off, and he goes, he goes, you know, the guy didn't want to recruit. He just wanted to play golf the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, it was just so funny hearing the same, the same shit about that fucking charlatan of a, of a coach. You know, CJ Wallace told me once that he, he got, uh, busted. Uh, I won't say what for, cause I don't know if I have that a hundred percent accurate, but, um, but he got sent to what Willingham called the breakfast club. So they'd have to show up in the Dempsey indoor at 6 a.m. during the off season. And they'd have to uh, do all sorts of exercises and everything to pay for their sins or whatever. And Willingham would stand there before them swinging a golf club. I doesn't surprise me. I mean, that was, that was the whole uh, negative feedback is like every kid, Every kid he got uh, would have picked Washington over anybody, and he would go on these recruiting trips just to hit up golf courses. So, <laughs> so if you think about it, you know, our season tickets and all the shit we paid for went to his golfing trips, went to him playing golf. He wasn't all in. Wasn't all in. You know, uh, just to – you know, drive in the point. I have not golfed since March of 2022. So a year and a half because my kids are so full-time sports right now. Like mm -hmm. the, only, the only free time I have is to do, you know, other things that are higher on my, you know, my, my list, you know, like, like, if I got free time and my wife has free time, we'll go on, like, an hour walk. You know, it's not for me to fucking play golf for eight hours a fucking day, you know, and blow all our fucking money, you know, like Willingham did. Like, what a what a fucking complete sociopathic narcissist that guy was. Complete fraud. And and yet, just like where Donardo was saying, I can't believe you guys would hire him when he, when he just got fired. And then, you know, Ember's going, 
we're we're delighted when we learned he became available. You know. Oh yeah, well, what a, it was a what gift. a nightmare. It was a gift from the heavens, as Dave Grosby would say. I, lo- I love Dave. Gros- I love the Gros, but you know that's a, that's probably a take he'd like that back. I don't know. <laughs> Granted, I haven't listened to him in many years now, but um, my 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 main Gros story was uh, came from my stepdad. My stepdad was at a Mariners game. I told this once on the boards a few years ago, but and Grosby was sitting right behind him, and he had a giant bag of Kit Kats, and he kept breaking them in half and eating them, and the crumbs kept hitting my stepdad in the neck. And then uh, Grosby kept apologizing. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Yeah. So that's my Grosby story. <laughs> oh, God. You can't tee that up. Oh, uh, all right, we'll tee it up another time. Yeah. I'm sorry, I mean, I'm lost. I, what? We have a story about uh, Wooly Doom's uncle, who is the character of all characters, Mike. And I know a yes. lot of characters. Your uh, uncle. My uncle, yes. Uh, and him with Dippin' Dots at Safeco Field, uh, where he uh, – his main thing is he tells you stories and he has these big punchlines. He would be a, he would be a great Seinfeld character. He has these he, big, would. he has these big punchlines that his big thing is he has these stories where he interacts with people and he zings them with these punchlines that aren't even that good that never happened. <laughs> and he was at a Mariners game twenty years ago and he was like someone walked by, these big old broadskis kept walking by and they were just getting <laughs> big old mooses. Big old mooses. big old mooses with these fucking dipping dots. And they were getting food every every inning and they Eventually, they spilled a bunch of popcorn on me, and I'm telling my old buddy, old Jack Malcolm, you know, uh, <laughs> popcorn is it's all over me. Like, yeah, it's popcorn, and it melted on him. It turns out they were dipping Dots. And then, you know, eventually the story, <laughs> ends, the story ends with him asking the ladies if this was a baseball game or an eating contest. <laughs> <laughs> and that never happened. But, yeah, the dipping Dots and the popcorn, he, he thought it was popcorn, but it was dipping Dots. Which, uh, you know, any popcorn story needs to get shout out to the the Cougar fan at the uh, at uh, the Cougar fan at Century Lake at that one Cougar game with the, the guy with the popcorn laying down by himself. No, oh, yeah, 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 the infamous guy. Yeah, but no, uh, I mean the Willingham thing is like it. What no one was as negative about it at the time as we all think we were. I mean, we were pretty doog. The doog had been less been less beaten out of us at the time. Uh, but it got bad pretty quick. And you also kind of thought with the Gilbertson thing, you're like, when they went 1 in 10 or 1 in 11, you're like, okay, it can't possibly be worse than this. <laughs> they oh, but it can. Yep. Yeah. You know, speaking of golf, real quick, as a side, uh, earlier today I took my uh, dad, my 84-year-old dad who's slowing down. Uh, we, we went to uh, the Park Meadows in um, Tacoma, and we went to the driving range. And it was really, uh, it was really sobering for me uh, to, I would hit five and he'd hit five and, and back and forth like that. And it was sobering to 
realize that my dad is somebody that when he was seventeen when he was seventeen years old he shot a sixty seven and finished runner up at the Longview Country Club uh, championship once upon a time. So wow. good golfer, uh, serious golfer, and and I've never. I've just started playing just recently for the first time after 14 years, you know, and that's a whole other story. But, uh, but I, I played a fair amount as a teen and in my 20s. Um, but what was really sobering to me today and why I'm bringing this up is that I could out-drive him with my sand wedge compared to his uh, driver. And that's when you start to see the ravages of time, so... Well, that, yeah, that's how I am with my old man. He drives it like 140 yards down the middle of the fairway. <laughs> yep, exactly. I can, yeah, I can club a, you know, I can club a sand wedge, you know, and drop it right over the top of his, you know. Exactly. That's exactly what happened today. And it was just sobering. So. Yeah. And uh, and uh, anyway, so it doesn't have anything to do with Husky football or Willingham or anything, but the denominator no, there being golf. But, no, but, no uh, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we start to head down the the stretch here and answer the whatever questions await us on that thread? Well, I, I, yeah, really quick. I don't mind going on little sure. tangents. It's it's. Uh, oh no! I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't. You know, it's funny you said uh, something about uh, doxing people, and we won't have doxing people. Like, I don't, I don't really care. You know, if anybody wanted to PM me and ask me personal information, I'd be more than happy to give it to them. You know, I don't. You know, well, I, don't, I don't mind divulging a little little info about myself. You know what I mean? So. Here, here's the deal, though, with very, very few exceptions. Like, uh, I'm the only one that has my real name up there, and I, there are a lot of people on our boards that are very sensitive about that. In fact, I've been asked a couple of times over the years, there where someone said, "You mean Derek Johnson's your real name?" <laughs> it's like if I was gonna pick, if I was gonna <laughs> pick uh, a pseudonym, it would be a lot more colorful than that, you know. But for God's sake, but um. But, you know, and then, you know, there's certain people that are attorneys and this kind of thing, and then somebody else gets pissed off at them during an argument, and then they start naming them. And, uh, uh, you know, just people need to yeah, feel like I, they can I, let loose, you know? No, I, I, yeah, I understand that when it's like, uh, when it's like super, uh, you know, contentious, you know, relationships or whatever, you know, you know what I mean? Like, Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, if you if you take the uh, if you take the tug a little too seriously, like I, I get that, you know, I, I get that or whatever, you know. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just yeah, you know. Well, I always held it like kind of in uh, you know, even when I was like I joined I joined Duke Man when I was like nineteen or something like that. Like wait, oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, my my handle was uh you know, was my name with my middle initial and my last name. And besides <laughs> besides the moderators, I wanna say I was like the only guy with, with uh Terry Dell. That's a name of from the past, you know, uh old Terry Dell 
that uh, we had like our just our name. Like I, it was just me and him, you know. And you I can, vaguely you can, remember that name. What, vaguely, you can, uh, more more than more than welcome uh, to PM me and ask me for my real name. Like I don't give two shits. So, uh, but I, but I'm I'm trying to play the game and be secretive or whatever, you know, and and incognito. But uh, yeah, I mean it's. Uh, you know, some of us don't. I don't know, some of us don't really give a shit. So, you know, but but I I I, uh, I just picked a handle like uh, you know I would have always wanted on Duke Man, but I picked my real name for whatever reason. So that's what I did on Hardcore Husky at first. Well, let's see here. Hey, does one topic to maybe bring up is someone has to. Someone has to be a two or three win team this year, and it feels like it's going to be Wazoo, followed by a four to five win season next year, and then Dickard gets canned. I fully agree with that. I don't know. They might win four games. I have to see their schedule. They might have a, uh, you know, a Sacramento State in there or something. But um, I fully. They, yeah, go ahead. Got Wisconsin, Wisconsin at home with uh, Luke Fickle now as the head coach. So. Oh, how interesting is that? I forgot about well, that. That's right. You no, know, you know what they, I, Paul Christ had like a what was it like a six seventy win percentage or something at Wisconsin. So I don't know. They, they hated him, him for nothing. Yeah, I mean they they must have canned him for other other reasons, and he was an alum there, so I I don't know. But, but you know what? You know, when Lambright got fired here, there were people across the country going, "How could they fire him?" It's like, it's sure, sure. You but don't yeah, really know you, everything. Yeah, if you're not if you're not knee deep into the program, you you wouldn't know. Yeah, I mean the the conference to me has actually pretty simple. Who's going to be those shitty teams? It's Stanford, Cal. I mean, Colorado, Stan- Colorado, Stanford, Cal, probably the Coug, and Arizona's kind of a wild card. I could see Arizona going like seven to five, but I could also see Arizona going like four and eight. It's to me of like who of the top – one of the top or the teams at the top, like Huskies, USC, Oregon, Oregon State, Utah, one of those teams is going to go like six and six. Yeah. That's the question to me. And it could be Utah because I've heard – Cam rising towards ACL, he might not be ready to play until like halfway through the season. Uh, it could be the Beeve. The Beeve is the Beeve. The Beeve will sneak up on you every seven years, yeah. And then once they sneak <laughs> up on you, then every then every team after that's like you know like we can't let the Beeve beat us. Yeah. So I think USC's got a really easy schedule. So I think they're set. Like yeah, to me it's more the question is like which. <laughs> Which one of the teams that's supposed to be like a top twenty-five team? It's going to go like five and seven, and to me, it's either Utah or the Beeve. Uh That's probably that's the bigger question to me. I mean, more how, like Utah, how, I think. Stanford could be really bad. Stanford could be historically bad. Like, go look at their depth chart, and you're like, huh? Who the fuck is on this team? Yeah. Aren't cicadas, aren't they uh, cicadas, cicadas, don't they, like, stay dormant and then every 17 years they emerge yeah. for a summer? Yeah. So yeah. That's, there's the beaver thing. That's why I was laughing. I think, it was, I think it was last year, right? Or maybe it was the year before they had. 
Yeah, they yeah. had those. I can't remember. Well, he was just saying that, you know, the the beeves, like, every seven years they oh, pop up, you know. They're guaranteed. They always have, like, a good season. Well, that was me. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I agree. They have a good season. Oh, whatever. And then the next year they always go five and seven. I mean, ASU, ASU is the definition of ASU also. When yeah. ASU is the when ASU is supposed to go ten and three, they go three and ten. When they're supposed to go three and ten, they go ten and three. Like, but the Beavers, like everyone likes to hype them up as like their sleeper, cute team, and then as soon as you do, they suck because they're not that good. Back in the nineteen nineties, I had this thought several times. It's like if you could transport Don. This is back then, but transport Don James down to ASU. I, I bet you he could do great things. Would have done great things down there, but yeah. they just need the right. They just need the right structure or something well they still would have you know usc still would have fucked him over on sanctions and shit you know (laughs) and the conference so look what frank kush did there in the 70s they have a if you go back and look they were like 12 and 0 12 and 1 11 and 1 all this um granted they played in the uh whack back then but uh prior to the 1979, but um, anyways, that's a good I mean, question by Hay. Oh, go ahead. No, I mean, we don't need to go too deep into this. ASU is pretty high on the list of programs. You're like, why is this program not good? Or you're like, if everything came together. But they're never good. So we've we, we got to quit asking that question. Yeah, you got you know, it's like, they're never good. <laughs> yeah. You know, Sleeping yeah. giant well, in the desert. And by the, by the way, is the, is the, is the Pack Eight to blame for uh, all the expansion? They should have never. They should have never asked the Arizona schools in. It never bothered me, but uh, I also I was eight years old when it happened. <laughs> so, but um, and I was at that '79 game in Husky Stadium when the Huskies won 41 to seven over Arizona. No, excuse me, it was '78. The Huskies won forty-one to seven over Arizona State, and uh, Frank Cush uh, he got suspended because he punched his punter in the face on the <laughs> sidelines. Never heard that. Oh yeah, <laughs> and and I don't mean I don't mean Jimmy Lake shoving the you know the the uh, the face mask. I mean punch, oh, like my Woody God. Hayes style. Woody Hayes. So yeah, who was the who was the Clemson player he punched? Oh, yeah. I can't remember. That I don't remember. Yeah. Quentin, Quentin Pounds. We should, yeah, it was Quentin Pounds. Wait, are you talking about throwing up against the locker? <laughs> no, we're just... I was making a joke. Making a joke. Just like, oh. you know, no, tying them both together. Yeah. We need, a, we need like, a crash symbol thing to... I, I know I do. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, I think I've had about three of my jokes bombed today, but that's all right. Um, hey, says the other thing is how the fuck does the Pac-12 think it's even remotely acceptable to put George Kalishnikov up there next week to go parrot the same week bullshit that the presidents in Kanzano have been spouting for months? They're I putting mean, Utah and Stanford's presidents up there with him. My God. That's what he said. I mean, I get it. He had to go up there, and uh, 
No, I feel like that diatribe he threw out there for like, I mean, God, it must have been 15 minutes of, you know, just just bullshit after bullshit of, you know, the past and all this other stuff. It was like, it wasn't much, much future talk. You know what I mean? It was, uh, you know, oh, we're staying together and all this kind of shit. It's just such weak sauce. I mean, I I don't, I mean, but I don't like, I don't, he's just kind of like, you know, I'm just like neutral on him. Like, I I can't really really blame him for, well, I can't really blame him for a lot of stuff. You know, it's, most of this shit was Larry Scott, right? So. And, And the presidents, yeah. Yeah, and the, and the presidents and, you know, all the board of regents and all this kind of shit, you know, and so on one, one quick aside to John Canzano, you know, he's always talking about, like, he's always shitting on uh, Brett McMurphy or, you know, some other, like, reporters, you know, that, that are reporting, you know, the Pac-12 and all this stuff, you know. But then uh, he does his little interviews, and he says, like, oh, I was in the room, and I heard these people say, but he never mentions the people either. So so he technically has zero yeah. sources, too. He's just taking the uh, the devil's advocate side of the conference, you know. I mean, which we all know, you know. It's, but it, it is kind of funny. He'll be like, yeah, but he's got this guy. Brett McMurphy has zero sources. He doesn't name any sources. I was in the room with four people. Okay, name the four people. Doesn't name them, you know. Yeah, exactly. I remember it was a few weeks ago. I, I posted something on the boards, and I was quoting him because he said he had multiple people in the room. Yeah. That were talking well, about the so it's ground zero for what's going on with the any media deal that might be forthcoming. And yet, he, then he and uh, and I and I like both him. Or, uh, I'm lukewarm on Canzano, but I like Wilner. Uh, but they were talking on their podcast, and um, they but they were both just throwing shit against the wall. They neither of them had any idea. So, it's, but he said he didn't even just say, "Oh, I've got somebody that knows somebody." Or he said he had multiple people in the room, and yet he had no right. idea what was going on. He could, he could have been at a gangbang for vivid pictures, for all we know. <laughs> wow. It reminds me a lot of uh, back when VH1 was a bigger deal and there was less to talk about and less to digest. They always played this documentary about how Notorious B.I.G. was, like, murdered by uh, the LAPD. And that guy's whole thing, the whole entire, it would be like an hour show, and this guy's whole thing was like, all of the sources were unnamed uh, gang, yeah. Like, gang members. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And at the very end, they'd finally bring in, like, someone from the LAPD. It's like, yeah, you're, you're talking about a guy whose entire sources is unnamed L.A. gang member. <laughs> I know. Every time, yeah. every time I hear, like, it's quotation, you know, quotation mark sources, you know, and I'm not taking it to the tug. You can take it to the tug. I'm talking about every kind of media. <laughs> you know, it's sources confirm, you know, blah, 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 you know, like, you know, like 
uh, Nick, sources confirmed, Nick Saban, red hot after a loss. Like, oh, shut the fuck up. God, he's red hot after every loss. God, Jesus. Who cares? What kind of... What kind of news is this, you know? He's red hot after every win. <laughs> He's red hot after every win. <laughs> He's greased up. <laughs> but it's, it's uh, yeah, like, you know, uh, <laughs> breaking news. Breaking news. Sources say Rory McIlroy not happy with the live tour. Like, God, are you kidding me? Really? Jeez. Like, who cares? <laughs> So, okay, now we move on to the Nacho Man Savage here. I have a couple of questions for the pods on the pod. If we eventually move to the Big Ten, how okay, how many times will Jen be confused for a Badgers fan Wisconsinite? <laughs> uh, don't be surprised. Like I said, Barbara Hedges did not know what an onside kick was. <laughs> Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> the, yeah. uh, I can Herb. say it's because he's passed away, but the late Herb Mead used to say she didn't know if the ball, the football was pumped or stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the uh, that's the urban legend that uh, I mean, even Hugh Millen has echoed is that she was in the press box and somebody told her that uh, they were going to onside kick it, and she said, "What's an onside kick?" <laughs> she was focused on the kids, I guess. Mm -hmm. Have any of the pods been to Big Ten stadiums? If so, please rank the concession options. Okay. <laughs> oh, for I've been in the parking lot, the parking lot of Purdue. That's it. Uh, wrong. <laughs> hey, you've been you've been to the Rose Bowl and the Coliseum. That's really fucking that's a weird universe. That's I'm not happy about being part of this universe. I'm 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 sick of it. No, I yeah, I, uh, that's a good point. No, I think I've been to the Illinois and the Purdue with no one in them and that's it. I know my dad and his buddy went and walked around in the horseshoe because they were uh uh, they were working, uh, they got kind of like, they volunteered to go work at a refinery over, over in Ohio somewhere. And, uh, they just took a drive. They said, well, let's go, let's go look at the, the horseshoe, you know? And so they went to the stadium, they parked like nearby it and there was a door open. And so him and his friend were like, well, let's just, let's just walk in. So they walked in. They they walked like they walked around the stadium, took a couple pictures, and there was like a uh, you know a maintenance guy around there, and he's like, "What are you guys doing here?" It was just like, "Well, we're from you know a little north of Seattle. We just wanted to see what the horseshoe looked like." And the guy was like, "Well, uh, take about five more minutes, and then uh, you guys gotta you guys gotta pack up and leave." So. You know, could you could you imagine nowadays? It, uh, you know, somebody from Ohio was just visiting Seattle and said, "I wanted to see Husky Stadium." You know, they'd probably be flogged and thrown in jail or something. Oh, you know, like, well, I don't a, know. If you're not in a broke down. If you're not in a broke down motorhome on the side of the road, you can't be here. 
If a contingent of homeless showed up at Husky Stadium, they'd get the grand tour. They probably would. <laughs> that could be put to the test, you know. <laughs> um, you know, I've been to nine of 12 Pac-12 stadiums, but I haven't been to any Big Ten stadiums. I'm almost positive. So. Uh, I've been to... Uh... Four or five of the Pac-12 stadiums. I got eight. I can't remember. Yeah. So I'm, not I'm afraid to tra- Oh, go ahead. I'm afraid to travel. I'm afraid to lose. <laughs> so I don't, I don't go on that much. It you think a you're a traveling jinx? I I am just I just if they if they lose a game. Well, I went to Stanford twice. They lost both times. So I, I'm terrified that I'll waste money on them losing a game. I'm 0-2 at Stanford also. God. I'm 0-2. I got Cal last year, though. I really well, I got I got Eugene. I got Austin last yeah, year. Yeah, we had good luck last year. I got yeah. Cal wasted that he got yeah game, so i had i had ted bundy chance you know all the good <laughs> stuff i had i've been to odson probably 10 or 10 or 11 times going back to my early teens but um i went to cal two weeks after 9 11 and i was on the plane and there was only uh four other people on the plane that that was bizarre yeah and that was the game where we fell way behind, and then we rallied and won thirty-one to twenty-eight. Yeah, two thousand one, right? Two thousand one. Yep, it was. If I remember right, it was September twenty-seventh, two thousand one. Yeah, because I was in uh, I was in Hawaii during September eleventh, and they had just played Michigan. You know, a uh, couple couple days before, a few days before, whatever. Yes. So I, I I watched the Michigan game in Hawaii, you know, with uh, one of my one of my best friends and his dad at their at the condo. So yeah, that was uh yeah. I'll never forget that game. They they should have lost that game. They, oh yeah. They were, like, they were outplayed. I'm like, I've watched that game again, and it's like. How'd they, how'd they fucking win this game? The Michigan one? Yeah, who was the quarterback of the Michigan team? Kelly Wazar. John Navarre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some stiff. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was that's kind of the quintessential game of, like, I mean, as a Husky fan, we are like, so many games you think of, we are like, they totally beat this team, and then they lost somehow. Like, right. That's the flip coin where you're like, that game, you're like, like they that they totally got their ass kicked for the most part in that game, other than like Reggie Williams having like a few catches, and you're like somehow. They well, the like, Rock Alexander uh, yeah, blocked Omari, field goal or whatever. Yeah, and, Omari Lowe, like yeah. he was he had, he blocked the field goal and they returned for a touchdown, and then he had to pick six like the next play. That's the thing is like everybody always says like you know uh, you know great upset or whatever against Miami at home, but they legit beat them. I mean, yeah, oh yeah, they they like they like legit beat them that that game. Like the next year, you know the the Michigan game it was like like they kind of fluked out that 
that win. Yeah, well, the Michigan, and then the year the year later, Michigan Michigan fluked them. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's funny how it works out that way. Yeah, uh, it's also funny how uh, I mean, obviously, why would they put it in there? But like the U documentaries on ESPN, like oh, they don't mention uh, no, <laughs> oh, don't mention that game. They don't mention either yeah. of the games. Uh, I think, but I think they have the like the 2001 one in there, which is also, like, a delayed game. Like, as good as that Miami team was, if that game was earlier in the year, it probably wouldn't have been that bad. Yeah. Like, that team had won the Apple Cup and knew where they were going. Well, New Heisel said he didn't want to play that game. because no one wanted to play that game. They they were like, he said his team was just not mentally into it, not ready, nothing. But the third week of the year, they were like, they were ready. Yeah. Like they probably yeah. were the one. They did. They did just. They did just come off a win against Michigan at home, and yeah, they were like amped up, ready to play, and then September 11th, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, we was, got we got prison raped by Oregon State in November. Yeah. Yeah. That was the yeah. first. That was one of the first losses that kind of signaled the end for the end of like the the glory time for Washington of like, oh, you got blown out. That was like a bad Oregon State team. They went like five and seven too. Uh forty nine twenty four if I remember right. Yeah, that was one of the first games we were like, oh, they got blown out and not only did they get blown out, it was by like a a bad bad team. He doesn't get a lot he doesn't get a lot of credit for bad losses. Like it was a two and nine UCLA team in ninety nine that beat him. Yeah. I mean, was it really? Yeah, they were like two and nine or three and eight, you know, and, and okay. they they should have went to the Rose Bowl that year and they fucking lost that game. Fucking UCLA, like UCLA, all the fucking time. And then in two thousand one, they got blown out by UCLA, and Deshaun Foster was granted Deshaun Foster really good, but he ran for like yeah. three hundred and fifty yards or something insane, and you're like. This is not – it was, like, the first thing we were, like, oh, they're getting blown out, and it's not by a great team. Because as bad as, like – bad as Lambert shit is, he only got blown out by, like, Nebraska and Notre Dame and, and like, a really good UCLA team. Like, that was it. So, it's, uh, you know, it's a little – we don't need to get too deep into the new high school, non-new high school shit, but that's what it is. And see, Nacho has another – I'm going to ask the next one unless you guys had anything more to say. Yeah. Okay. Nacho, how long until Northwestern hires Tyrone? <laughs> I mean, could they hire Jimmy? Uh, would Jimmy work? Uh, I I think Tyrone himself is uh, – he, he's, he's enjoying his retirement that he started, you know, at, in his third year at Notre Dame. He's probably still getting checks from Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, he probably he probably still gets checks from Notre Dame just like Jimmy. Is Jimmy only like in a second? Jimmy still has two more years of checks from Washington, right? I guess so. I mean, I, I heard from somebody very close. I won't say who they are, but very close to the situation that told me a year ago that the the remainder of it was there was a, a female member of the Nordstrom family that's close with Jen Cohen, and she took out her checkbook and paid it off. But then wow. I was reading that thing a few weeks ago where he's still getting payments. So, Yeah, I had heard that it was like Dempsey basically put it on like a three-year plan that he was going to pay it off. But, I mean, you know, he's also – 
He's also not making whatever – what NFL team is he coaching for? Rams. Jimmy, yeah, whatever the 200 grand he got yeah. on the Rams or something. Where can you use that to pay uh, pay the NIL deal for fucking uh, uh, Austin Mack or DeMarcus uh, Davis or whatever they want to do? But, yeah, no, I think I think Willingham's enjoying his retirement at this Jimmy Lake. I like that DeMar- DeMarcus Davis kid. Mm-hmm. And Nacho says, will you finally, when will you find, blah, 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 when you finally give, I think he's written this wrong, so let me rephrase what I think he meant to say. When will you finally give in and give Husky Hooligan the satisfaction of a shout-out to Baze's massive dong? I don't know that's something we've ever skirted around. Is there I just... I've I, I uh, I've never Shout seen a massive dong. I don't I don't care to see a massive <laughs> massive dong. Plus one. <laughs> yeah, no comment on. I have no comment on true or false massive dong for purple bays. So it's not like it's the elephant in the room or something. It's not even been something that's. I don't know what Nacho's thinking there, but. Well, it's either uh, the elephant or the mice in the room. We do, we're just not sure. <laughs> Canadog responded to Nacho's question about how long until Northwestern hires Tyrone by saying, does Northwestern even have a golf team? <laughs> Boom. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. Ray Spann is dead. By, oh, go ahead. By the way, that Northwestern story, Half the college programs in America could probably get, uh, you know, fucking outed for something like that. Refresh my memory. I remember reading something a few weeks ago. What was it? God. It's not even worth it. Do I have to go? Oh, okay. (laughs) There's like like legit, uh, there's like legit rape involved between, you know, players. You know, oh, like, oh, I didn't hear about yeah, that. There's like nudity, there's like nudity and dry humping and and shit like that going on. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. I'll, I'll just say that when when Jimmy, you know, when Jimmy Lake punched uh, Ruperaki Fuabai, guys that grew up, you know, around my age, I'm 41 now. Probably said like, "Oh, that's nothing." So, <laughs> some guys, some guys that are around my age or whatever, and grew up around you know football players doing like really creepy homoerotic bullshit. That uh, you know probably heard this story and were like, "We're like, oh, I could file a claim too," you know. So. I'll just say that if you if you read it, there's a lot of guys nodding their heads like, "Oh yeah, I've seen some really really creepy borderline uh, rapey shit in my day in a locker room." Well, there was a sources quote, unnamed sources. It was like someone on the pro, a former player, and he was like, "There's a quote because like barstool sports like highlighted it was like you said like." I don't know. It was just like fat guys doing weird fat guy stuff. <laughs> 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 
And what was that guy though? The boner bandit or (laughs) piggyback bandit? (laughs) No, I think it was less creepy than the piggyback bandit. I think it was just. Well, it's it's just it's just kind of funny that uh, you know the head coach you know gets ousted, right? But generally, you know, when this kind of shit happens, it happens within uh, you know the certain position groups, you know, where. Linemen are fucking with other linemen, and linebackers are fucking with other linebackers, you know, et cetera. So, so they couldn't pinpoint one position group and, you know, fire the position coach. So they, they, uh, they kept all the position coaches. So I just, I find it kind of strange that it's like they, they claim it's a culture thing, you know? Um, I just think, I think they wanted Pat, Pat Fitzgerald fired, you know, because he went 4-20, and uh, 20, I think, in the last two years. Well, it's one I way to do not, it. I think they found a reason to fire Pat, Pat Fitzgerald, you know? I think I think maybe uh, save some money. I think we found a way to fire Jimmy Lake, and I and think Northwestern found a way to fire Pat Fitzgerald. And yes. going back to the going back to the conversation on the dock uh, I had last weekend, uh, Jerry DiNardo was fired by LSU because he wouldn't play dirty with the other schools. He wanted to play clean, and he was. He was kind of a dead man walking after his first season, you know. I mean, there's just, you know, you you kind of get on the wrong side of people with money and people who have control of a school, and and you're kind of done. Yep. And by the by the way, I uh, found an article from the New York Times, and this is in regards to Joey, where you were going, "Oh, what?" Uh, when I referred to Frank Cush punching his punter, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and I'll post this on the boards when uh, when our recording is done here. But I'll just read briefly how the article starts from the New York Times, and this article came out in 1981, so a couple years after the game, or a year and a half. A former kicker for Arizona State's football team testified in court today that Coach Frank Cush grabbed him by the face mask, cursed him repeatedly, and then punched him after a poor punt in a game two years ago. The player, Kevin Rulledge, who is now on the team at Nevada Las Vegas, said Cush pulled up the face mask before landing the punch, which he said split his lip. The description of the incident, which Rutledge says occurred on the sideline during a game in Seattle against Washington in 1978, came as testimony began in Maricopa County Superior Court in a $2.2 million damage suit. It has been filed by... And that was in 78 or 81. So it has been filed by Rutledge against... It has been filed by Rutledge against... Cush and others involved in overseeing Arizona State athletic programs. So then I'll I'll post the article on the boards. But well, it was a punter, so. You know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean he's, he's replaceable. <laughs> I 
And then uh, this thread where people are posting their questions, it started by me saying that we had a change in schedule. We were going to pod on Saturday morning, but we moved it to Friday at 5 p.m. And then Race Bannon said, Friday night, Pup would be out putting a pound into the rounded while you nerds podcast. <laughs> and then Joey responds with, I'm not worried about Pup putting a pounding to my old lady anymore. Dot, 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 too soon. Which I thought was funny, but that was funny. Um, Canada with the final. Let's see. Yep, the final question from our fan base: Who's going to win the Chico McClatcher Award for most hype in fall camp and doing absolutely nothing in the season? I'm going to take Giles Jackson off the board, as that's too easy for Potters <laughs> of your prestige. I um, mean that. Come on, that's easy. It's 100% Giles Jackson, but okay, you got, if i got to pick one, I'm going to pick Asa Turner. Yeah. Oh, I didn't hear that. What? I'm going to go double down and go two for one with the Parker twins. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so, I'm going to uh, I'm going to pull a Colin Cowherd and say Daniel Nagata. <laughs> <laughs> if it, if anybody's ever listened to Colin Cowherd, he'll say one thing one day and then the next day yeah. it's totally complete opposite thing of, the, of the same same person. I find him kind of boring. I mean, he's, you know, the thing that annoys me is is he he, he would constantly, uh, you know, 10 years ago, he'd constantly, I mean, he grew up a Washington Husky fan. Yes. Like, he was a diehard Washington Husky fan. But now, all of a sudden, like, he's uh, he's got a little uh, cable news in him where, where like, you know the producers are telling him to, to you know pump something up. That it, I mean, it's obvious if you've ever listened to him, he doesn't really believe in like, like he hated pro wrestling forever, and now all of a sudden you know like Fox is in bed with WWE and he'll have wrestlers on his show all the time and he'll act like he's super interested, you know, and and he's constantly like. I mean, he's constantly ball-washing USC all the fucking time, you know? And it's like, dude, you're – you had uh, – he had um, season tickets and, um, like, what do they call it? A uh, Like a luxury suite at Husky Stadium, like, somewhere around, like, 20 – 14 through 2016. I mean, he could still – still have a luxury suite there that he loans out or something, but he would often talk about his luxury suite at Husky Stadium. You know, so, I mean, yeah, he's just, he's just such a, such a fucking phony now. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't even like really listen to him anymore. He's just such a fucking phony. And, 
one thing is, we'll we'll start to wrap up here, but one thing uh it kind of tied in with this and it's a, a post also that I made this afternoon. I was referring to I was for mainly for preparing or trying to prepare for this podcast, I thought, oh, I'll listen to uh, O'Neill and Capel and see if I could pick up some tidbits or an interesting angle or something. And just like with that movie that I was watching the other day that I can only get through 18 minutes, it starred Ryan Gosling that was so awful, and I'm even blanking on what it was called now. But uh, um, but I, I couldn't I couldn't get through more than about 10, 12 minutes of, of this podcast with them that they put out yesterday. And uh, I don't know what's going on with Danny there, but he's just giggling out of control. It's just well, he, like, does it on, he does it on Mitch's podcast, too. He giggles about shit that isn't really that funny. I, I don't know. So I don't know if he's... And I mean this seriously. I'm not... You know, I, I don't want to... <laughs> I don't know any I don't know any details or whatever, but it almost seems like he's maybe distressed in another part of his life and it's just coming out and over overflowing when he's you know, laughing it. It's just anyways just find it very distracting and it's just kinda of, and then they're just kinda of shooting the shit and I'm I wanna hear about you know, the their podcast was talking uh in, in terms of its description about their give their thoughts on the non media deal and everything. And I really wanted to hear what they thought about it and everything, but it's just like after about ten, twelve minutes it's just like I just can't. It's just I I, I loved Danny with uh I was a lukewarm fan of Wyman, but I really love Danny and Jim Moore's chemistry. I love listening to them talk. And I don't remember Danny giggling crazily like that back then, but I mean he well, yeah, would every they, now and then, but Yeah, they cl- they claimed uh Danny and Jim claimed to be friends but sound like they hate each other. That that's what that's what's always fun about them. Well I, Yeah, I'm sure they they're I mean, I, you could just tell back in the day that Danny had great affection and endearment for uh for Jim Moore. And Jim Moore would have his smoking lock of the week and it would be wrong eighty percent of the time and that was good stuff. I enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, Jim Moore, probably the the biggest uh, uh, closet Husky fan that's a coup. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's possible. Uh, I think I think a lot of uh, I think a lot of Coug fans I know like it it, it becomes a gimmick. Like they they like the huskies, yeah. You know, but they they feel like uh, you know, oh, I've I've gone to school there and I can't admit ever that I like them. You know, it, it's a yeah, it, it's it's like a closet thing, you know. But you know, eventually when uh, eventually when the world becomes uh, a little more progressive, like people could start coming out more as husky fans that are. Uh, <laughs> Self-identify. They're good, they're good, you know. Uh, well, I guess it's probably time to wrap up. Any final thoughts? And Wooly Doog, your dog's been uh, real good today. Uh, she got sent inside. She has a friend over, so she. Uh, oh. Her. She, uh, she's distracted. She's she's having a good time. 
So, going once, going twice. Any final words? Go Dukes. Go. You get up. <laughs> Do it up. All right, guys. We'll talk again real soon. Uh, maybe about, say, uh, two two Fridays from now, something like that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You get up. Hey. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. Hey, bye. Thank you for listening to the Hardcore Husky Podcast. This show is copyrighted material. In other words, stop plagiarizing our shit, fuckos. So please tell a friend and rate us five stars on iTunes, especially you cheap bastards who don't donate. It's the least you could do. Yeah, I'm looking at you, creepy coog. And come join our fun at over at hu- hardcorehusky.com. We've got Husky Football, Yellow Snow's Record Shop, and our notorious Tug Tavern, which is which is a shit show of politics and strange nudes. And if you enjoy yourself and are ready for the next level, level of cyber peyote. peyote, come join Swain's Wigwarm. <laughs> I'm going to have to read this over. Swain's Wigwam, yeah. Swain's Wigwam at Navajo Nation's gift to college football. It's also the official private club of hardcore Huskies. We're talking boobs, guns, and inside information, all for the low, low fee of $129 a year. Come join the fun. <laughs> I have to redo that one, but...